0: Heavenly Father, we come under the this hour. We thank you, Father, for the day you've given us for the privilege that has been granted once again that we may be in thy house with thy people. We ask, Father, you be with those that are sick, not able to be here this morning, that you will be with them, comfort them, to touch their body. We ask you, Father, to bless our efforts here today. We ask all this in your blessed holy name, for those of you, we are. Amen. A subject this morning is, of course, not an old subject, but we've, uh, uh, believe, will bless you, a subject must one repent to be saved. I spent some time this week on the phone with a gentleman from over next County looking for a church. We of course told him about Ammon Road, and and uh, he said, "I I believe you've got to believe to be saved." I said, "Yes, <coughs> but uh, you've got to repent," and of course he differed with me on on that. But in the book of Jude, Jude, verse 3, a little small book that said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly contend. Especially concerning repentance means to agonize in defense or to strive or to fight strenuously in defense of and speaks of the vigorous, intense, determined struggle to defeat the opposition. And the opposition is your body. Your body does not want to repent because your body is totally depraved. You know, there's uh, I tried to explain to him, you know, that... uh, You only have to be one active sin in your life. Whether you have one or you have a hundred or a hundred thousand sins, you're still a sinner. Unless that sin is repented of and taken out of your life. uh, You know, if you're saved, God, opportunity, but eventually He will take you out. Every person that is born is born depraved because of what took place in the garden. There's no doubt that we are living in the church age. The Lord uh, was ready to spew them out of his mouth. you about that now. Uh, turn to Revelation chapter 3. And first, before you read this, remember it's writing to a church letter. It's writing to a local church. And God says here, In Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, so then because thy are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You know, this here really is where we're at as a nation. I don't do it. But it's all right if you do it. This is probably what 85, 90% of the American people believe. I don't do it. I don't use drugs. Can't see myself using drugs, but, you know. But God said that you either got to be for me or you got to be against me. And because of that, knees are neither hot nor cold. You just look warm. And that's why there's not much happening except professions of faith that has no uh, weight in our world today. Oh. But this is so serious. He says, so then, because of this, that thou art lukewarm, not troll, nor hot. Whenever I'm called to counsel or to listen to a couple that's having marriage problems. Most of the time, that's the problem. They're just lukewarm. You know, I don't do this, but if the husband wants to, I don't do this, but if the wife wants to. Now, we're not talking about simple things, you know, like I like to eat here, but she doesn't, or she doesn't, I doesn't. We're not talking about that. This is writing to a church, a local Baptist church. And he said, So then because thy art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, I even go as far to say this is part of the our government's fault right now and the people. Anytime that you have a population and you have this number that could vote but only a small portion votes what they're telling you, I really don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. But we as America, this isn't in my notes, but if you keep up with what's happening in that pretend government we have, they are getting ready to do a job on you. Believe me. But the people are neither cold nor hot. That's a serious situation. God goes on to say it. Some even say repentance is not for saved man. I'm saved. Why do I need to repent? I can never be lost. Why do I need to repent? Well, let's look at Revelation 22 and verse 18. God says here in Revelation 22, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. When this person says, "You know, I don't need to repent. I repented once. That's all is needful." I believe that to be current with God, you got to repent every day. You got to acknowledge that your sin is ever against you. But we are so strong on eternal security of the blood-bought believer that we think that there's nothing I can do that will affect my salvation. Well, salvation is not much if you lose the joy. Wasn't that what David did after he committed a great sin? He, He asked God to return unto him the joy of his salvation. Baptists in particular today needs to repent of those things that are taking the joy out of their life. The Bible has much to say about repentance being necessary in one's life for them to be saved. You know, in Luke, Gospel Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, notice. 13.3 said, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Of those 18, upon whom the Tyre of Salaam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you nay. What is he saying? Well, sure, those sinners who were sinners above everybody are to repent. But he said in verse 5, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You can't be a child of God without practicing repentance. You can't have the joy of your salvation without repenting on a daily way of life. You know, we... Have such a hard time in our lives to understand what God is saying and what God is doing. But Luke 24, while we're here in the book of Luke, Luke 24. And verse 46. And said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in the name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Let's look at those last three words beginning at Jerusalem. What is my Jerusalem? 346, Alderbury Drive. My house has got to be right. Each individual home has got to be right. But it's easier to see what somebody else is doing and to make a stand on what you feel instead of making a stand on God's word. We have got to realize that. We've got to understand that, you know, Gentiles reminded the elders of Ephesus what he taught them and testified both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Let's look at Acts chapter 20. Acts the 20th chapter. Let's begin with verse 20. Acts 20. Verse 20. He said, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that for just a moment. The writer said, How I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. The reason that the churches are filled with lost people many times is because when we who profess to be saved witness to them, we give the impression, come to church. You can go to church seven days a week. You can go before the priest seven days a week and confess your sins. You'll still die and go to hell unless you have true repentance from God, and repentance will lead to a change of mind about yourself and about God and will cause you to have a complete turnaround in your life. But we have seemed to have lost that, you know, because what we have taken, you know, we would be more stricter on our children if we realize that our children don't belong to us. They belong to God. And this theory that it is my child, I can do what I want to with it, you better revisit the word of God. Because that child my three children don't belong to me. They're Lent children. Lent. I have a, a whole poem. The little old cleaning lady down at the cancer center got in trouble because she was passing them out to people. Lent. My three are Lent from God. They don't belong. To me, so you know. So well, I'll I'll let my child do that. They got my permission, but did they have God's permission? Why would a good parent okay for their child to participate in something that God says is wrong? Why? Because the writer said, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. That's why we are to encourage ourselves and to encourage people. We look at the government and we all say, it's a mess. How does the government have to be? What shape does the United States government, the government of this world, have to be before that eastern sky opened and Jesus Christ appears. It's just a, another sign that the Lord is on His way. You know, I mean, if you're, if you listen to the news in correlation with the Bible, you know. We we all like to take out our money and say. You know, this is what I work for. If I live two more years, we won't have this. We won't have any cash money. Why is that for? Because that's what has to take place before the Lord comes back. It's clear. But we won't Tell everything. We won't preach everything because what if you scare them? You can't scare somebody into salvation and you can't be happy because you're feeling the way you're right, going to keep you out of hell. It's simply based upon the Word of God. There are no errors in this Bible. I'm talking about the original. There's words in my King James that could have been better. One of them is Easter and Passover. Passover is a biblical term. Easter is a worldly term. There's many words like that. But it has nothing to do with us being saved or to have the attitude of what God wants us to do. So God said that the preacher, what I want you to do, as we read here in Acts 20, 21, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, which means that if I'm talking to you in my house or talking to you in your house, I should preach the same gospel as I do from this pulpit. There are those that claim that anyone who preaches repentance for salvation is preaching works for salvation. You ever heard of that heresy before? Nobody can... Repent unless God grants them repentance. God has got to grant repentance. That's why you've got to be born again before you can repent or believe. But yes, there's a well-known preacher that preaches on TV every Sunday morning that you need to repent. How can a dead man repent? God said, except he be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, God will save you. Now, that repentance and faith, it comes so quickly that you think it was a package deal. And it was. But there's got to be an order. The order is you've got to be born again first. Then God, whatever process He grants repentance and faith. But those who preach repentance for salvation is preaching works for salvation. Not according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. When we look at 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, God said, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God, G-O-D, little God, the little God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto To them. So the God of this world, and there's many gods of of this world, any little g that takes you away from the big G, God, becomes your God unless you keep that in check. A person cannot repent until God grants repentance to him. You ain't going to convince a person that enjoys his sinful life by telling him, hey, if you don't change, you're going to hell. Deep in his mind and subconscious, I'm going to change before I die, but when you going to die? you know that's why that on the back of my calling card I ask people who say I'm going to repent right before I die before you you know when you know you're going to die call me and I'll come over and give you the plan of salvation we don't know we don't know so we need to be ready to meet the lord Every waking moment, every sleeping moment. A person cannot repent until God grants repentance to him. That comes about with godly sorrow working repentance. Still in 2 Corinthians, let's look at chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. God said here in verse 10 For godly sorrow, work of repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world, work of death. Godly sorrow. When you get sick and tired of the way you are, the shape you are, what your situation is, when God makes you tired, sick and tired of it, then and only then will you do something about it. And the first thing we need to do about it is to repent of our sins and accept Christ as our Lord and Savior because from that time, you may not like the way God provides, but he will take care of you. And that is not pleasant with most people. But God doesn't promise everybody the same. But he does say, that for godly sorrow, work of repentance to salvation, not to repent it of, but the sorrow of the world, work of death. See, For those who do not know what godly sorrow is, it's deep. God causes sorrow over your sin against God. You realize that I'm sinning against my creator, I belong to the Lord. He created me. He gave me a choice. It's like he gave Adam a choice. But Adam had a choice to follow Satan or to follow the Lord. You and I have a choice every day. Whether we want to do what we have learned worldly or do we want to seek the word of God for the answer to our question? The sad thing about this is that many of those who do not believe in repentance to be saved do not believe salvation is a work of the Holy Ghost conviction. They believe that they did it. I repented. I believed. I stopped drinking. I stopped cursing. I decided I want to go to church. I decided. How can a depraved sinner des- desire anything good? And that takes you back to, to, to the problem. Do you believe there's any good in you apart from Christ? And almost everybody says, yes. There's a little bit of good in all of us, a little bit of bad in all of us, you know. It's, which one do we want to satisfy today? But the problem is that this flesh is totally depraved. There is no good in the flesh. The flesh only thinks about flesh. That's why that we make time for God. But you need to realize the only time you have is what time God gives you. And if you study some of the men that I have read after and most preachers I've read after, these old preachers live to be 80, 90, 100. Want to live a long time? You know, God is in control of that. Now, the sad thing about it, as we said, that many of those who do not believe in repentance to be saved do not believe salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit's conviction. But Matthew 15, 4. I think it's good to uh, have a uh, scripture, at least give us some Insight on it. And Matthew 15. And verse 14 says. You know. Well let's go up to verse 13. But he answered and said. Every plant. Which my heavenly father. Have not planted. Shall be rooted up. But let's look. And you, you can read. Several verses before that but in verse 14 God said let them alone they be blind leaders of the blind and if the blind lead the blind both shall fall into the ditch you know why that our government has such a folly you don't bite the hand that feeds you No. God says I'm to make my living by the sweat of my brow. God also says, unless he repent, he shall all likewise perish. What I'm simply saying, without going deeper and deeper, is That we've got a responsibility as a child of God. Charles A. Spurgeon is revered as the prince of preachers. And by many, including those who do not believe in repentance to be saved, Brother Spurgeon has many sermons in print which deal with repentance. Necessary for salvation. In one of those sermons I read yesterday, faith and repentance inseparable. Man, what a sermon. Faith and repentance is inseparable. Anybody that truly has faith that Jesus Christ did for them what they could never do for themselves, will repent of their sins. Faith and repentance, inseparable. But yet, I have visited people in the house. They're in their house. They've got freedom to do what they want to in their house. They're occupied with booze. They're occupied with other things. And they said, I made it right a long time ago, preacher. I remember when so-and-so held a revival, and I remember how God pricked me and brought me down, and I was saved. How long ago was that? About 25, 26 years. Well, you belong to church. Oh, I don't go to church. There's too many hypocrites in church. There are no hypocrites in the bars. There's no hypocrites out there at Walmart. Now, see, when God grants you repentance, you repent. And when you repent, that's a change of mind that leads to a change of action. People who have repented of their sins will live different, act different, talk different. It's a difference and Jesus came into my heart. He preached that sermon with his text verse in Mark. Mark Chapter 1, notice verse 15. And saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Whether you think the Lord is coming soon or it's going to be a thousand years from now, that's your decision. But God said the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Each day that we get to live on this earth is one day closer to the Lord appearing in the sky. Everybody will agree with that if they just use a little bit of conscience. If you believe the Lord is coming back, he's going to be closer tomorrow than he was today. Each day goes by, we get closer to him splitting that eastern sky open. We need to realize that. Another man of God who preached in the mid-90s gave this definition. Repenting is an Awakened sinner giving up all pretension to righteousness and natural goodness and taking his place as an utterly lost, wicked, condemned, hell-deserving sinner at the feet of a holy God, realizing his only hope is for God to pardon him and to forgive him for Jesus' sake. And what it takes to be saved you come to the place in your life which I've tried it, I've done this, I've done that. There's no joy, there's no peace. You come to Jesus in repentance and faith and he'll save you. And once he'll save you, he keeps you saved. He has not lost anyone that has came to him. Some say repentance is just a change of mind. It is, but it is more it is also a change of direction, a change of attitude, a turning from sin, self, and the world, and turning to the Lord. Once God saves you, it's a, it's a lot of turning to do. He's turning from self, turning from what I want, turning from what the world wants to what Christ wants. person can not and will not do that without a complete work of the Holy Ghost conviction. And that's why that he said in John, as we prepare to close here, John, the 16th chapter. John 16. Let's read these few verses and we'll, we'll go. John 16, beginning with verse 8. God said, and when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to the Father and he see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. See, you don't have to worry about believing me. You didn't say it. That's Brother Vance's opinion. That's his interpretation. And, you know, let him raise his voice and raise and make him feel good. But one day you'll stand before God. This is his word, not mine. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege.